On this week's episode, we recap the Vandy game. We talk about the importance of the bye week. And then we get into just touch on the Gators and the Vols as we head in our November stretch. As always, I'm Cheeto. And with me is Keegan, my co-host. And welcome back to another episode of Dogs Off the Leash. I do it for the dogs. That is how you do a homecoming, buddy. 55 to nothing. They're only a touchdown away from my 63, 63 prediction, but they blanked them, man. How are you feeling? I, I'm feeling I'm feeling good, to be honest. I know it was Vandy, and we won't get a lot of love because that's the case. But Georgia, to me, looked really sharp on both sides. Again, 55 to zero. We wanted to see the offense get back to where we were during the opener at Oregon or versus Oregon and then South Carolina. And then the defense felt like we had a couple leaks on the back end. So we wanted to shore up the defense and pitching a shutout, regardless of the opponent is always a good step in the right direction. I was pleased with the performance. What were your thoughts after the game? King? Dude, going into this, we, I kind of set up three big things that Georgia really needed to do. And those were, you know, Stetson needed to get a little bit better rhythm. Like he needed to work on his accuracy. He had missed some big touchdowns and past games. Like granted, it didn't really affect the overall nature of how those games went. But if Georgia's going to be a championship team again, they got to have Stetson Bennett, you know, be more than a game manager. Like we, we need him to take that second step. We don't have the defense to rely on. We did yes. Like last year so. It's important for Stetson to get better. He did that. Caught a lot of rhythm. He was 18 for 20, two touchdowns, second in the first half. He came out strong. We saw some growth there. Other big thing, you know, the defense was trending dominant again. 55 to nothing, we blanked them. But, like, week to week to week, we've been getting better on defense. And anyone I talked to who's a Georgia detractor, they're like, what about Kent State? What about Missouri? Right. Every time. Those those games are valid. Those are our little stains on our white T-shirt. But at the end of the day, defense is getting better. We knew going into the season, defense wasn't going to be as strong. Yeah, that's kind of been the case. But the defense is getting better. We looked really solid. And, man, that's that's exactly what we needed in this part of the season. So that was, a you know, another big kind of victory within the victory for Georgia. And then lastly, we – we have so much talent on this team. You know, when you're, when you're this loaded, it becomes a challenge to like unlock your talent. It's like, it's like you have enough EXP points (laughs) for the, for the legendary sword, but you just got to beat that one boss to unlock it. It's a nerdy reference guys, but I'm just saying we have weapons. The fact remains though. We got some legendary level weapons on this team and, you know, guys like Eric Gilbert, Eric Gilbert, he, you know, he scored that first touchdown in his career. That was a big kind of statement thing. Carson Beck got some, you know, major valuable reps. Like guys deep in this roster got touches that we need to continue to develop throughout the season for like future Georgia teams, obviously, but just this season too. Like we don't know when an injury, certain situation, what have it is going to call, you know, we're going to end up maybe potentially calling those guys as numbers. So it was a big deal unlocking those, uh, unlocking some talent. Deep it was a complete the- effort. It was a complete effort from the team, wouldn't you say? 
Yes, I would. It was a very grade A complimentary football for Georgia. And like without getting into like the nitty gritty of every stat, we're top 10 in scoring defense, top 10 in scoring offense. Like we're really trending in the right direction at the perfect part of our season, getting into this home stretch. And uh, yeah, we took care of business. What- and those those rankings, those rankings are nice, and I think they showed themselves in this game. I think this was a perfect uh, kind of petri petri dish as far as what Georgia can be when they're clicking on all cylinders. For example, the dogs on offense had 580 yards on the day. Woo. That that falls right in line with your top ten scoring offense. And I want to talk about our scoring offense as well later because I think we're more efficient then we are explosive, and I'll tell you why. And then the defense, which has been a work in progress. We've seen uh, a couple blemishes as far as Kent State and Missouri, but on the day, the Georgia defense held Vandy to 150 yards total, pitching another shutout, another shutout, 10th in the Kirby era, 6th as far as SEC uh, games go. That, And you see games, and we'll hop into that too, Bama and Tennessee. Since Kirby left the University of Alabama, their defense has – slowly but surely started to kind of erode away because they've you know they get they're getting the players so the talent has been there but as far as the schemes and the execution you can see it just kind of linger from 2006 on till now giving up 52 points to Tennessee no disrespect to that offense everyone sees the offense that Tennessee has is beyond elite but Alabama does not give up 50 plus 50 plus points on the road at home in the playoffs doesn't matter big bowl game doesn't happen. And I think a lot of that has to do with what we are seeing with our defense and Kirby Smart is being missed over there. Um, but Keegan, I wanted to ask you, a lot of people scored in this game, given that it was a blowout. You had a lot of second string, third string coming at the end of the game. Who would you give your game ball to? Either a player or, you know, offense, defense, special teams. Do you have any one person or player or unit that stuck out to you significantly? Well, I mean, yeah, the tight end room continued to be dominant. The running back room continued to be dominant, like the wide receiver room. Each each single position group really showed their depth. Like fourth and fifth guys we haven't seen a whole lot of were getting valuable reps. And I don't even know who C. Jones is. Uh, <laughs> running Cash, back. Jones. Cash, Cash Jones. Cash Jones is well, he third, was fourth string. Yeah, but he, he – He's cash money. He's so cash money. Money. <laughs> ATM. <laughs> but yeah, so like everybody showed some some good looks. I like that. But you know, if I had to give a game ball, man, I ah, to avoid the cliche, I'd give that game ball to Carson Beck, man. He's shown that development. We as teams, like it, when you have championship hopes, you don't want your uh you don't want to feel like Bama does and you know, you're just uh, Bryce Young sprained ankle away from your season going down the drain. And no, no disrespect to their backup, but it's just not the same as a Heisman winning quarterback. And, you know, Georgia's shown that they don't necessarily have those issues, maybe at any position uh, necessarily, but I got to give that game ball to Carson Beck. I like that. It was valuable time. He's showing the maturation, showed some good, uh, some, some good reads and really, you know, was able to use his uh, legs on a, on a couple plays, either moving around in the pocket or just, you know, taking the yards the defense gave him. And even if we have, a pro style quarterback. I don't think Georgia needs to get away from having that ability. You know, we got to be able to use our legs just to keep defenses honest. Very true. You know, it just makes you more dynamic. So I, right. I'd get game ball to Carson Beck. What What about you, man? Like, yeah, you- I agree with you. The quarterback room is in very good hands. And honestly, past Stetson, Carson Beck, I think he deserves his shot. He stayed within the program and developed. But it's it's only a matter of time before again Stockton and brought uh, Vandergriff 
those guys are a little bit more athletic with their legs, but no, dis- no disrespect to Carson. He played well. If I had to give a game ball to um, any unit, it would definitely be – it's hard not to pick the defense, but I'm going to stick with the offensive side of the ball. And specifically, I want to go with Eric Gilbert and Dominic Blaylock, two players who are former five stars, elite talents, like you said, legendary weapons that this offense has. Eric Gilbert scored his first touchdown in a UGA uniform which is a great sign. And then Dominique Blaylock has been dealing with injuries the past couple of years, his first touchdown since 2019. And I want to give them the game ball in context of the red zone scoring. Georgia had coming into this game struggling to finish off drives, especially when they're in the red zone. And we're not explosive as other teams, so we're not scoring from 30, 40 yards out. Normally we're in the red zone and to have that many opportunities, we were leaving a lot to be desired as far as that goes. But on the day against Vandy, we were seven for seven in the red zone with five touchdowns and two field goals, which is exactly where we needed to trend going into the bye week. And you can guarantee that's going to be something that we're going to work on. Todd Munkin's going to get his players um, to really buy in on finishing, finishing drives. And I wanted to also pose you the question. So you mentioned that our offense was top 10 in scoring, but do you think that our offense can be better than it is right now. Yes. If we put defenses to the test and run the ball more with Stetson, I think that's going to help a lot. And then in general, you know, AD Mitchell isn't back to full health just quite yet. And that's going to make a big difference. It's going to make a big difference when your most explosive off the top receiver is back in the game. So eventually, you know, we got to get him healthy, but I liked what I saw like Marcus, uh, Rosemary Jackson, you know, like Don Blaylock, like you just mentioned, Eric Gilbert, like we we have the receiving depth outside of our main targets this season. Got to get Lad back healthy. Um, I don't know the extent of his injury as of now. Do you know that information by chance? I do not. I, I do not. I'm hearing whispers. Uh, yeah, go ahead and check that out. But let me let me just relay what I what I'm seeing as far as offense, right? So as you mentioned, we're 10th nationally in scoring. That's 41.7 points per game. We were a little bit under that last year. I felt like we were definitely clear 40, and we've done that. And then as far as the yards per game, we're up to 526.6 yards per game. That's fourth in the nation. That is the definition of efficient. And I knew Vanderbilt was going to struggle. And when we get to Tennessee and when we get to uh, Florida, but let me focus on Tennessee here since their defense is very lackluster. They won that game on Saturday, but they gave up 49 to Bama, and that was a missed field goal. Bama could have won that game very easy. Bama had 17 penalties, which is very uncharacteristic of of a Nick Saban team. So if Tennessee's defense, uh, people out here, and I know David Pollock is a really good uh, analyst for ESPN, and he really tries not to be a homer for um, UGA. But these people that think Tennessee deserves to be number one, these are the same people that all they care about is fantasy football and points. The game of football consists of three parts, offense, defense, and special teams. Alabama lost because they were, they were not good in the other two. And Tennessee happened to just be a, a, a little bit better in the offensive side, so they won. But So our offense is efficient but not explosive, and I think that's something going into the bye week and going through November we're going to have to be better at. So as far as 20-yard plays, 20-plus yard plays, Georgia is seventh in the nation when it comes to being effective in that range. But there is a huge, huge drop-off after that. And credit to uh, Brooks Brooks Austin of Sports Illustrated who drops these great articles all the time. 
is when you go to 30 yards and 40 yard explosive plays, Georgia drops off significantly to 66 and 114th with 40 yard plus plays. Whereas Alabama, Ohio State, and Tennessee both rank top 10 for plays of 30 plus yards and 40 plus yards. So those are the, and if you watch it, it doesn't take long to see, those are the elite explosive offenses where Georgia is definitely elite by every metric, but more efficient than explosive. So if we can find a happy medium and maybe that we get that back with Dominique Blaylock being healthy and being able to be the threat, pulling the top off defenses or an AD Mitchell while the tight ends do their thing underneath. So we're, it's a good offense, but I think we're, that may be something that we're going to have to do better at where we don't end up with a Kent state type performance on offense or a Missouri type performance on offense. Yeah, and I think if Stetson just is a little bit more accurate throughout the season, those numbers aren't drastic as drastic of a drop off. For sure, and you know, fifteen passes that were deep balls that Stetson's missed. This that is missed absolutely. So it's like if he hits half of those, you know, it's like we have the ability to scheme guys open. We have the explosive nature to enough speed, especially with all our wide receivers. It seems like every single wide receiver we've had has had some kind of injury. But if you know, with the health of that room improving. Like we have that ability. We, we're going to have to look to that. But I mean, I'm not necessarily certain that Georgia needs that. I think it, uh, I think if it's a pure shootout, then sure. Yeah. Like that's probably what it's going to take. And that will be the difference if, you know, a Tennessee team or any of these high powered offenses uh, that we're going to face, you know, Mississippi State. Um, just going forward, like if those teams were to pull off a, an up, a victory and upset against Georgia, I do believe it is because they have that ability. But that said, man, we we can run the ball better than those guys. Like we dominate, we dominate the line of scrimmage better than those guys. We can control the pace of the game better than those guys because of our defense. So I'm not necessarily – And we did it against Bandy. Time of possession, we held the ball for 39 minutes. Exactly. That's a good recipe. And, if dude, if Bama runs the ball more, like I understand they got behind early – and that's a problem. There are so many penalties. There were a few I saw that, yeah, like didn't questionable at the very least. Yeah. They went Tennessee's way. I don't know if those uh, flags had T's on them, but the thing is, is that Bama, they put themselves in that position. And at the end of the game, they had enough time to either a take it to overtime by Mm -hmm. running the ball, getting Mm -hmm. the clock down or, you know, worst case scenario that, you know, better case scenario, field goal range or, you know, push them for a touchdown. They didn't either. They gave, you know, arguably the most explosive offense, the they, ball. With a the, time to get in range, yeah. You know, yeah. Shorter field, they, uh, that's all, that was it. That's so all. can we can we be realistic here? I, I want to take absolutely nothing away from Tennessee fans and this offense and Josh Heupel and the program right now. They are surging and they deserve a lot of this hype. For but sure. again, if we want to be honest, this game was at Tennessee. Bama had a very uncharacteristic 17 penalties, the most under Nick Saban coach team, at least here at Alabama. I, I don't know about the record books, but it's got to be up there. And then Bama gave up 52 points. Bama has not given up 52 points since I think the date what that I saw was 1907. So there wow. may be there may be a handful of people in this world that were alive. When that happened, I was checking up some of the <laughs> oldest people still alive today. One's a, a nun from England. I think she's one of the few people that may have been around to see a performance like this. So again, Tennessee fans, you deserve all this credit. But if you think that the stars are going to align this way with a team 
equal of Bama or better, which there are a couple in the rankings now, you're sadly mistaken. You're not going to get away with that again. That was the perfect storm. And you still had to score 52. And you still gave up 49. So just, again, context is super important. Enjoy the win. We know what it's like to be Alabama finally after however many years. We get it. But you need to pump the brakes. Well, our streak wasn't good, but 15 in a row, they play every year. So that, Ours mean, was better than theirs because yeah. I think it was 06 for them. And then 07 with Matthew Stafford in our game was, you know, was ours. And then we beat ours last year. So they're, they're right on track with us to be fair. So. Mm, yeah. But 15 victories versus what, like six or seven, like might've been the same amount of years, but well, we don't play them as many times as Alabama does. So and if I mean, we did, I, that I, is what it is. Okay. That's all another conversation, but Tennessee, Looked really good. You know, their defense is kind of non-existent, though. So Absolutely non-existent. And they're going to they have people returning from injury, but still. 49, well, you better mm-hmm. chill out. You better like, chill out. Georgia maintains their number one ranking because of not how great their offense is or not how great their defense is, but everything. You know, yes. coaches, the, the every everything you could pinpoint, Georgia's got at a number one level. So, hey, if Tennessee – pulls that off and goes on through I'll, I'll be the first to give them the credit absolutely but, but you know we're looking at hypotheticals at that point like the on paper it doesn't match but i'm not going to put anything past them they're a great team credit to uh josh heupel but you know bama's looking soft it was a big win huge win for the program but like you said since kirby's been gone and in general i just think that that is the the weakness of bama right now is that you know, Nick Saban's getting a little older, and that's not to take anything away from him. But let's say you're you're let's say you're just missing a half step. I mean, that would be acceptable. He's seventy years old, guys. So like a half step, all due respect. You're gonna need better, you know, coordinators. You're gonna need a better offensive coordinator, better defensive coordinator to account for that half step. Their coordinators have gotten worse. You know, they don't have and they change un- every year. There's not even yeah. consistency there. And and it's and it's tough. It's tough being, you know, you look at teams year to year, uh, teams in that second year with wh- whichever coordinator, that continuity is huge for any team. So it doesn't matter if you're as good as Bama or as good as Nick Saban. I mean, if you have like six home run out of the park hires, you know, maybe the seventh one, you know, you're gonna miss. A little bit you're gonna muff it a little it's gonna bit regress, it's gonna regress to some sort of mean even, even alabama and and we just saw it and we just again it took all of that for them to lose on the road so like let's again context is super important here like i don't want bama or tennessee fans to take anything away from that you've got to call it for what it is Bama could lose their next three games and to, in my mind they're still considered an elite program because it's not just what they do on the field it's everything else that they're doing so you know, Bama's not going anywhere, but it looks like Tennessee, at least for the meantime, is here to stay and here to compete. And we will definitely have an interesting matchup. And it, and it definitely and looks cool. like they're going to be the roadblock for us as far as the SEC uh, East crown goes. But before we talk in Tennessee, and we'll have a whole podcast on that, we need to talk about the bye week, adios semana. And then obviously the game after that, before the Vols, is the Gators, every Georgia fan's favorite team to hate. So, Keegan, just some thoughts going into the bye week. What are you looking? Okay, so there's a lot of articles going around now about midseason awards. So I'm going to pose a question to you. Who has been your first half MVP? And what do you need to see out of this Georgia team to be successful 
coming out of the bye week, heading into Florida and starting this very, very difficult, which people said we had a cupcake schedule. Check it out now. Our very, very difficult November stretch run. MVP of the whole team. Sure. Again, you can give me a player. You can give me a unit. Man, if I'm going to give, give me a highlight, give my, me something my, that you've liked my, that we've leaned on. Dude, my MVP is coach Kirby smart. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. You know, he, he knows how to move players, how to get guys in position, how to develop talent throughout the season. He, he's, he, he doesn't get enough credit. I don't know. Like I would have to really do a higher level of analysis to tell you like where I'd rank him as in-game coaching, but his ability to direct a program, maybe only second to like Nick Saban and a couple of the greatest coaches we've seen the last 10 or 15 years. Kirby's right there. Like his, I, I, I owe a lot. I, I give a lot of credit to Kirby and his ability to have teams ready. You know, you got a number one team going into homecoming week against Vanderbilt. It, it's human nature to take your foot off the gas. It is human nature, but he's got his players saying things like players lead the team. And the, the that's, that's a big culture shift from Bama where Nick Saban has got everything that Nick says is everything. Not saying that, you know, the play, you know, people don't respect Kirby, but Kirby wants the players to lead. And that was a big part of why Georgia was so good last year. That's why, you know, a team like Wake Forest, you know, with all their super seniors is doing pretty good this year. It's like, it is a big factor when you have a coach, you know, your best personal trainer is the one that you can fire in a couple of years. Cause he's taught you so well, or she's taught you so well that you can perform at an elite level. So it's like Kirby coaches his players up at such a high level that where they're coaching the younger guys up. And that, that just to me speaks to the kind of the credibility of Kirby, the credibility and trust. I give the Georgia team moving forward and the rest of the season showing how like in their weakest areas, they're developing and getting better. And yeah, man, Kirby would be my MVP. Uh, <laughs> just, just because of all that, I mean, it's, it's very impressive you want to look to things, you know, to to note upon when you have a number one team and you've been on a kind of a winning streak. And, you know, it's easy to kind of overlook a lot and get kind of bored or complacent as a fan just on a pure like, oh, I want to be entertained. I want to see the dogs in a good game, like that whole mentality. But in the in behind the scenes and in the, the non sexy take, I think Kirby Smart is doing as good as he's ever done. Just he's getting better as a coach. And that's scary. And in in and, t- and teams and coaches should be scared of that. So as much as we talk about the player improvement, I think Kirby's getting better. So I don't even know if he's hit his prime as a coach. How's that? So uh, that's kind of where – that's my little – my lukewarm take on that. So what do you think, man? Like wh- who – is it – you know, I know obviously Kirby's skills and what he's done has spoke for himself, but who do you kind of look for? Like who's your biggest surprise MVP if you had a surprise MVP? Oh, yeah, that's easy for me for sure. Yeah. As as far as what has been the biggest surprise this year, I, let me say it's been the running back room as a whole. Ooh. Because, first of all, Dejon Edwards has been a complete revelation. And you said it here earlier on the podcast. And I, I did not – I was not sold. I didn't buy into that. But he has shown to be our best option as far as just a pure ground game running back. But I also want to give uh, – 
Kenny McIntosh a lot of credit because he's been consistent in the passing game, in the running game. And the running back room as a whole, I know Milton's been hurt, but as a whole, the unit has really been the anchor of this team. Although the passing game is really picked up, we've been able to keep our offense grounded in the running game. Like in Missouri, when we really needed that comeback, we really pounded it out in the second half and really got back in that game and ended up coming back from behind. And then by extension, outside of the running room, I definitely want to give Dale McGee a lot of props. A lot of props. Del McGee is probably one of the most underrated coaches on this staff. Diehard Georgia fans will never underrate him because we know the value he's brought to this program. He he does his job and he does his job very well. He recognizes talent, brings them in, and consistently churns out great running backs at the University of Georgia, whether they go on to have elite all-pro running back careers like Todd Gurley did and Nick Chubb's having right now and other running backs in the league, Sonny Michelle and James Cook are um, you know, making their way into a really unheralded type of back in Dejon Edwards, who is getting to shine because he has earned it because he puts in the work. Um, so I really want to give it to the the running back room because I've been impressed. And moving forward, I think what I would like to see is really just health. Honestly, at this point, I think it's just the bye week could not come at a better time. Just want to see the defensive line, Jalen Carter, get healthy. The linebackers, I know we had Ryan Davis fill in at a few positions. Smell Mondin, um, when he comes back, we have guys everywhere. We just need to get healthy, and we just need to start blending together cohesively as a unit, especially on defense. The first half has been about offense, in my opinion, of this season, whether it's Stetson, whether it's Brock, whether it's the running game. This second half of our season is going to be dependent on our defense. How can can we stay as elite as we've been? I think we're giving up nine point something points per game defensive scoring. If we can stay under 14, we have a chance to win a lot of these games versus Kentucky, Mississippi State, Tennessee, which are all ranked and which are all now formidable foes. So uh, looking forward to what version of this UGA dogs team that we have coming out of uh, this bye week. Adios, semana. Hey, <laughs> had to put the, pull the tacos out. But, yeah, man, I, I'm feeling it. I, I feel good about where we're at going in, like you said, in Florida week. I g- agree wholeheartedly. that. And Jermaine Burton looks silly right now. He does. He just want to throw that in there. It, it, what did he do? He, like, pops uh, a fan in the head walking mm-hmm. off the field. Did you guys see that? Yeah, or- from rumors are that she said, you, you should have stayed at Georgia. And he, like, smacked her in the head. So, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Bro, I, so he's regretting his decision right now. And again, I, the grass ain't always greener. Yeah, I, you know we could. There's so many. Uh, you know, you can look at Jamie Newman, um, guy that opted out. You can look at even. I mean, I love him to death, but you know, Jake Fromm, he probably should have stayed. There's, there's a lot of times where you, you, you're seeing on the other deci- side of your decision a ton of success, but you know, development and good habits went out in football. Like you got to develop and build those good habits. If you and in this that. program, I think that's shown over and over and over again. The people that have sat, sat and waited their turn, they've been rewarded in some, in some way, whether it's a national championship ring, whether it was a, a lucrative NFL deal. I mean, look at uh, the Packers linebacker. Uh, we've had several linebackers who were converted running backs who didn't play linebacker a whole lot growing up, who have NFL contracts yeah. as starting linebackers because they sat and they trusted Kirby and they trusted Glenn Schumann to develop them and waited their time. Was it all the fanfare that they wanted, even though they had the talent to be quality starters at other programs? No. You've got to be long-sided, especially in this program, because it, it pays off in a big way. 
especially in the sport of football. I mean, it's, there are not too many one and dones in this sport, you know, that's basketball. Like the, you, you got to develop, you got to, you know, it, it's, it's as much about the maturation and the intelligent aspect of the game. I mean, if you're trying to really be an NFL dude, you got to be a student of the game. You can't expect that even if you had the most elite skills in high school, even if you're like a high schooler that could compete at an NFL level, just on like your speed metrics or your physical intangibles, you will not last. Like that's not how that works. Like that is why uh, that, you know, that's, that that's the difference maker ultimately. And, you know, when you're, when you're talking about being a professional, unless you're like one of these few, very few, very few guys like elite of elite that is not everybody yeah the the type of person who can be insulting with their contract they can come into training camp when they want they have the kind of leverage to be a diva you know what i mean they're they're diva level quality and i still if i'm a coach in the nfl i don't want that kind of player on my team they usually end up ruining their careers off the field anyways toxic for the for every it's toxic for everything but even then that diva shit, dude, it, it it starts ending in middle school. It's less in high school. It's even less in college. But if you want to carry that through, you're going to be a cautionary tale. You're going to be a Johnny Menzel. You're going to be some player sure. that had character issues. That Hernandez. No yeah. I mean, it happens over and over and over again. We see it all the time. Nick Saban, one of my favorite, you know, I, as much as I'm not a Bama fan, I'm a fan of Nick Saban quotes. And I'm a fan of quotes of anybody who's killing it at an elite level. And one thing he says, you know, the first thing guys ask, you know, NFL coaches call and ask, they're like, what's his character like? You know, is he a blessing or a burden? You know what I'm saying? And I think it's Jermaine Burden right now. You know, he's he's being a burden. It's a, it's a shame. But mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry, I said that. <laughs> hey, that, that, <laughs> it fit real good. It fit real good. Hey, so. hey, speaking of things that fit real good, let's just talk about – Oh, Keegan's picks, buddy. Like this guy has been on fire. Now, granted, if I was really to do uh, an analysis, I think I would be like hitting like 70, 80% before last week, last week, this guy did not utter a false thing. I spoke nothing. You hit hit on everything. Nothing but truth. My friend, let's just go down the line. Let's see. So we got West Virginia at Baylor. Yeah. I remember that one. That one was the win. We got Tennessee Bama. Okay, that was I called Tennessee in that one. We got yeah. Michigan, Penn State called Michigan. <laughs> hey, we got U- Utah and USC called Utah's number in that one. And you know the one of the, the bigger ones. Uh, I said that you know I didn't say I didn't call the game, but I did call the push. So it's like I can call outright wins. You didn't I can say call, that. I you can said call that specifically. Upset pushes or upset. It's gonna happen. So yeah, I called an upset push with Florida State, and that, hey, they were in that ball game at the end there. So against Clemson at home. So hey, say what you want about O'Keegan. I'm a. It's a shame that sports betting is illegal in South Carolina because I'm starting to think I have a gift. I don't. Well, know. let me let me be the first to to give you props on that. I went <laughs> one for whatever, and yeah. then also since I dished it out, like I want to be able to take it, like. I also want to give you a quick congrats on beating me in fantasy last week with with the caveat that my team played so bad, so bad. I would have lost to every single other person in our league, taking nothing away from you. Uh, (laughs) Taking nothing away. And this is my league and I'm, I'm struggling in this one, but, 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 but 
your boy's leading his division in another league, the big okay. money league. So I'll, I'll I'll give you props, but hey, let me shine a little bit here in one of my other leagues too. So hats All off. Right. Right. I, I got to get better. I could get some wins. Or I'm going to fall out of contention real, real quick. So just want to give you a shout out. How about we give you some momentum and get into some picks in a minute here? And, uh, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that I mean, for sure. Man, the biggest – are you ready? Yeah, yeah. So we got picks, and then I also want to hear about this uh, Sokovi White oh, intel. Sokovi White. We, we can't miss you this next Can't week. miss him. And then also we got to talk about the newest commit, Ryan Puglisi, Puglisi is, what I'm, is this name I'm saying, quarterback out of Kentucky. So let's hit these picks real quick. Okay, so picks or – recruiting we'll finish with picks let's hit recruiting tell me tell me about Sokovi tell okay. me tell me what you see in this guy Sokovi White is the best player we've gotten in a while at the three-star position on offense I mean I'm talking Lad McConkey. I'm talking A.D. Mitchell I'm talking any any three-star guy of late that you can think of Sokovi is from my home county uh I actually played for the team he played for my sophomore year and you know he's he's a cast colonel, but Sokovi is explosive. He's five foot nine. He's speedster, but this dude is strong. He gets a lot of Isaiah McKenzie kind of comparisons because Georgia fans, you know, we right. We, That's the Isaiah. Mm. He's five foot nine. He's explosive. He's shifty. He's got he he's got that Isaiah McKenzie package. But guys, when I watch his game, the dude benches three hundred pounds. He's He's an undersized guy, but he is a weight room monster. Like, he's he's a physical specimen. When I watched his game, he had a beautiful one-handed grab on defense, an amazing interception. Looked like he had that sticky finger cheat code. The thing is, I look at his game. I don't say Isaiah McKenzie. I look at a five foot nine Percy Harvin. I think, I think that's what we're getting here. This guy has the ability to break tackles. There's not too many cornerbacks or safeties that are going to want to tackle Zakovi. And he's got a game breaking ability that is just underrated. He's playing for a losing kind of team and cast. Like they're, they're all right, but they're kind of middle of the road. I'm telling you guys, if he was playing for Buford or even across the road, oh, it'd be a legend. Star, yeah. It'd be a legend. He, he, I think he'd be a four or five star, honestly. Like he, he's got way more upside than people are giving him credit for. And I think it's Puglisi, Ryan Puglisi. That's, Puglisi. Okay. Yeah, I th- man, this guy can throw the ball. Not he, he can throw a ninety uh, mile per hour fastball. Ninety five plus. That is insane, guys. He's he's, he's sixteen. Got, he's got a cannon. So he's a, he's another three star guy, just like Sakovi, but just also like Sakovi. He's got four star, five star upside, and you never know how these measurables are going to translate. But the thing that I give Kirby the most credit for. He's not like as full on Dabo Sweeney when it comes to like, I got my guy, I, my Clemson guys. Like, you know, Dabo's got like three or four types of people in his head. For and they're sure, all, all sure. high character dudes. And that's part of what makes their team so good. But if, if Clemson's on one side, Bama's on the other, I mean, I don't know if that's really a fair spectrum. But the point I'm really trying to make is that. With Kirby, it's both. He want he he's got an eye for football, but he really gets the team player type dudes. And Ryan Puglisi seems to be like, uh, uh, he's he's got a leader written all over him. Just like Jake Fromm was one of the first dudes that uh, Kirby brought in at, at the quarterback position. He's he showed, uh, you know, yeah, Jake Fromm, great quarterback, super solid. 
But like his biggest ability was like as a freshman, he came in and was able to lead. He won the team over. So Ryan Puglisi kind of, you know, people will talk about, you know, the 90 mile per hour fast, 95 plus, excuse me, the 70 yard throws. 70 but, yards. Yeah. 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 But I mean, but to me, just listening to a couple interviews, just doing a little bit of homework on him. He's a Connecticut dude that, you know, got an offer to Bama. He's gotten some big time offers, but he's yes. kind of flying under the radar. I really think that Kirby, he he just continues to get these leaders. So I just think that we got another one in Ryan, but you know, it might be five years before we see him. And, and that's fine. But our, our team, we evaluate talent again, Kirby and them. They're very good at not really worrying about the stars. They brought this kid in. Todd Munkin saw him throw, and it was very shortly after that he got an offer. So they evaluate talent. The last few classes have been really defensive focused, but the class of 2024 is offense through and through. Sokovi, uh, we have uh, Mizell, the running back. We've got the tight end and um, Landon and Nykar, both from, I think that, what, Colquitt County, if I'm not mistaken, and now uh, Puglisi from Connecticut, Avon Old Farms. So offense looks looks like it is on the way to UGA, and I think it's going to be a good mix with the defense that we'll have in place when those boys get here. Amen. Hey, dogs on top for the next 10 years. <laughs> for the foreseeable future, my friend. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, it's it's pick time. We can get into that Keeley pick six. Got a few minutes, so we'll go fast here. The big game, we got Georgia Tech. Uh, actually, tomorrow night, there it's Virginia at Georgia Tech. Um, you gonna pick a Thursday game with Georgia Tech as your pick six game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want. I like. I like what Georgia Tech's been doing, man. I like Georgia Tech's been uh, ever since they fired old buddy. Who's leading the program now? Who's interim? I don't know his name, but I know he's a Georgia Tech guy. He's a okay. he's a Georgia Tech bread and butter, straight from the the mouth of the program. They really like where he's headed. Things good for them. Good They're for on them. a winning streak. I'm I'm just calling it. I like Tech continuing that. And uh, Tony Elliott, the former Clemson offensive coordinator, who's now coaching Virginia, is going to have a hard time over the, over there in Atlanta. So that's my pick. Um, do you got any big games you're looking at this yeah, week? Yeah, for sure. We got Kansas State at TCU. TCU is, TCU is one of the remaining undefeated teams, um, number eight ranked versus Kansas State, 17. So that one's going to be a big one. Alabama gets a chance to right the ship. They are at home against Mississippi State. Uh, ranked 24th, Alabama has fallen to six since their upset loss at Tennessee. Um, other than that, what I am seeing, oh, a big one, which I will let you jump into if you're not aware. Syracuse, undefeated, ranked 14th at Clemson, number five. That would be my upset alert of the week. That's a noon game on ABC. Syracuse has looked really well. Um, is it Brett Bielema? Who's, I think it's Brett Bielema. at no, Syracuse that's, that's, uh, Illinois. That's Illinois. Okay, okay. Well, Syracuse is definitely on a run, and I am liking them to uh, upset Clemson. From from what I've seen, the run game's been strong. Clemson's looking sloppy. I like for the push. I'm going to hold off on the upset just because they're at Clemson, but I do like a good, solid push. Clemson's just they, – they don't have the habits. you know. And then UCLA, Oregon. Man. This one this one has major implications in the Pac-12. Oregon, since they lost to Georgia, has been on an absolute tear. I saw a number today. I'm thinking that it's 50 points per game that they're scoring, but UCLA has been able to light it up as well. Who do you like in that one, Keegan? This one, to me, is probably going to be the game of the week. I like UCLA continuing through, but, man, Oregon, if Oregon beats them good, I don't know. Who do you, who okay. Do you? I, I'm, I'm going to go with Oregon, uh, just like where they're at and they're at home. Give me Oregon. 
I like that, but I don't think Oregon has the horses to keep up in a shootout. Give me Utah. All right, so for my last pick, I got Bama, Mississippi State. I know Bama just lost a heartbreaker down there in Knoxville. I'm not calling the loss, but I don't see them getting too much better on defense immediately. It's going to be another shootout. I'm calling a push. Mississippi State going to hold them in there late. Might even take it. Might even ruin the season. Heard it here first. Cheeto? Good. So we got our pick six heading into the bye week. We will get with you guys as we prepare for Florida. It's been a blast. Good week of football. Hopefully this one's not a disappointment. Keegan, as always, I appreciate you. Dog Nation, you know what it is. Off the leash. Off the leash. I do it for the dogs. <laughs>